0: Hello, and welcome back to the Thanks, night. dude. Mark Z. Wow. Specifically Presented me. Presented by Honda.
1: I'm back. Who cares about the fans? <laughs> this is the real story.
0: Oh, shit. He's got an attitude now. He's got an ego. What
1: happened in your, on your vacation? One person tweeted at me. They're like, I missed you. Oh. And that was it. That's all you so need it. to make. That was you that was on me. your, your uh, burner. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Kobe, I'm going to say you're
0: looking uh, very fancy today. Yeah. You're, this man, you're making like us look the bad, new, I know. The new outfit is going to be decided by this or that from now on since okay. we moved and this or that is shot before. And our stylist set me up with a shirt that's old before quarantine. It's too, <laughs> it's too it's tight. It's starchy. to you're having too jacked. In addition to having a full suit. <laughs> so uh casual talk you know get get That's a thing. Your voice. Like,
1: i feel like this and that is this or that is always like
0: more suited formal. up,
2: yeah, yeah. I think they should well, just ramp it up it, so that he's like got like a top hat and you know maybe like a
0: pocket watch. I'm down for a monocle. I'm yeah. super down for. You monocle. You a Would you be able to I mean, see out of your tap his head? No, I wouldn't. But you're supposed to like squint to be able to hold the thing in there. Anyway, yeah. is that really know. how this? I don't know much about <laughs> monocles.
1: They must have had monstrous brow muscles back in the day for holding that monocle <laughs> <laughs> in during the entire play. You need a jacked eyebrow it's to hold. Two just
2: just pumped all right well, what are we talking about Akshon is out he got released uh, seems, seems pretty crazy. I mean, he, he did just he hot, hot crazy hits, in uh, what way because in, he's got a crazy low win does. rate. In, yeah. in the way that you know, all I see him do is e forward and then die. Yeah, uh, have
0: you seen him, uh, you know, swing into a splat onto a wall? I've seen that a yeah, few times. It's I've pretty seen pretty him funny. swing into a tower. <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah, I've a seen one. some good ones.
1: Um, I, I've watched a lot of the Reddit clips too, and those are the ones that are trying to make him look broken. He's like, gets a pentakill, he's got like 18 kills before the start of the yeah. clip, and he's like, uh, uh.
0: So one one cool thing I did see is someone tried to hide behind a tower, but it was a low health tower. Mm-hmm. So and he had his ult channeling, you know, because you can block it with anything. Yeah. But it does missing health damage, and so it missing health damage the tower and killed the tower, oh. and then still shot the person. Wow, I didn't even know it worked on tower. Yeah,
2: I didn't know that. I haven't actually seen that. I've seen you can't other target stand tower, right? You, you to no, no, the person hid behind it, so yeah. it was like free money. That's pretty funny. It, there are like it is. It is kind of cool. I, I only played one game on it myself, and I was just trying to figure out the champion. And like, oh my god, I was struggling. It was. There's a lot going on. It did get hotfix buffed, but it came out at like 29% win rate, 30% win rate, one of the lowest yeah. releases of all time. Yeah. And and I do think it's largely because it's like people aren't using the E right. The W isn't a combat spell. So, like, people are basically fighting with autos in their queue, and, like, that's it. In most of the time, when I see the game, like, the E is working for the other team more than it's working for the. I saw Tyler one
0: get a penta, okay? Champ is fine. I think
1: that's the video I watched. Yeah. (laughs) 18 kills at the start of the clip. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I feel like this is the thing that people probably struggle with is like, so much of the power budget is like eaten up by the utility of the revive and like the stealth and stuff. The stealth and all all the different components of the kit that, like, you have to actually play it really well. So There's a learning curve. The, the win rate, it's going to be one of those champions where the win rate is naturally low. It's probably undertuned mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but I understand why they did that to be safe because if you put out this thing that's also numerically strong and then yeah. it has all that
0: utility, it's just going to feel miserable to yeah. play again. I mean, it's. it all depends on the skill cap. Freak always likes to reference release Yasuo, which was broken, which had to get nerfs, and it came out at almost this win rate it was mm-hmm. between high 20s and low 30s so. yeah and
2: and generally like from from what i have, have heard from designers and scene of data it's like they, they wanted to come out reasonably strong because it takes time for people to learn it and if it comes out weak and you have to learn it
0: then it's like they, so trash they actually um they actually walked back on the philosophy of like okay. releasing strong they had another uh you know dev talk Diary. where they where they talked about it a little bit okay um and so they walked back a little bit on yeah
1: it. they started making everything an e-boy and then suddenly you
2: know it's like yeah hey, I'll play no matter <laughs> what <laughs> oh sorry I had to slip it in yeah all right well uh if you guys saw Next level, there was kind of like a conversation that related to this, which was pretty interesting. So, Perks was on, Medios and him were kind of talking about, all right, new champs and philosophies around it. And Medios was basically saying something to the effect of new champions come out. I don't actually bother to learn it. I just kind of like wait and see if someone's going to beat me with it before I spend the time. And then, if they beat me with it, I kind of like figure out a counter, right? And Perks immediately is like, that's the boomer mindset.
0: That's what I was gonna say as soon as I heard you
2: <laughs> recount. And Perks said, like he used to do that, but he has he has since kind of realized that like jumping on it early can really give you an advantage of like more than just the initial boost. Because Midos was like, well, you can maybe get a game or two, but that's it. And Perks is saying, hey, it has long-term benefits too, because if you adopt it early, if you put in the time, you're gonna be the best at this champion.
0: And what I would say, too, on top of that, is that the best way to learn the counter for it, even if your goal is to learn the counter, yeah. is to play the champion. That You always know so much more about it by playing it. That's why, you know, things like World of Warcraft, you want to play every single class, right? If you're going to do arenas, um, it's... It really does help both ways, so yeah, it's a boomer mindset, it also just feels kind of like the lazy, like if Whoa. you're really trying to cut cut corners here, mm. most efficient pathway, you have to wait until it actually beats you and then just find something to stun it.
1: I feel really, like from a pro mindset, it's you shouldn't do that, but from a solo queue mindset, I can kind of get that, where you're like, well, if it's not strong right now, I'm just not going to worry about it because I'm just grinding for my own elo. And I can see a little bit more that mindset if that's the, yeah. the stance Medios is taking, where he's like, well, it's if it's not strong and it can't beat me, like I don't really want to yeah. learn it and put games into it now. I'll wait till it's strong. For perks and pro players, you should pick it up right now and, and spam a bunch of games on it, because eventually it's probably going to be decent. And that's what happened with a lot of champions. And I think Bjergsen talked a lot about this with like Zoe on release, just spam the hell out of it. There's a lot of champions that he's been good about, mm-hmm. just instantly picking up because at some point, it might be strong. Even sometimes, right on release, and then like you're the one who can play, and everyone else is playing catch up when the buffs come
0: in, and and you can exploit a lot of people that way. Yeah, I mean, there are just so many advantages to jumping on whatever's new and in the mm-hmm. game that it's. Really hard to craft an argument uh, on the other against side. it.
2: Yeah, I mean, per- Perks was even referencing Diego and Gwen, right? He said oh. like when they first came out, he put in a lot of time, yeah. and like he felt like right from the get go, these are OP. So he was talking about how he was telling Fudge like, "Hey, you got to play this," and and so Fudge started playing Gwen. I think it was the other. I, I think they kind of disagreed. Mm, that on worked out well. Was uh, if it was strong or not? But I think it was one of the two. Like they were kind of on immediately. So yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. I'm I'm fully in, in your boat, Kobe. Of like when I want to learn how to beat something, I play it. Yeah. Because I always find... You You realize what is the most annoying thing to have done to you, and then when you're playing against it, you can do that to them. <laughs> or you realize, like, hey, this is actually hard to pull off, and like if I just do this next time,
1: they can't do that. When I play against Vladimir... For the first time, I was a low elo scrub, but like he just cued me on cooldown. I was like, what the hell is this ability? And then I played Vladimir. I was like, oh, it's got like a 15 second cooldown. I can just like run up and hit him during this.
0: And they added a nice bar for you. They helped, you they helped the idiots it, like Bart. me out later. This is like season two. Season <laughs> yeah, yeah, one, yeah. I did yeah, before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Honda MVP for this time around, my friends. Who is your rookie of the split? Go. Right now, a Blaze Olive. Cool. I,
2: I I was in the Danny camp, but I'm, i I feel like I'm getting convinced more by the ablaze Olive uh, the ablaze all of argument. Uh-huh. Man, like he, he has just actually been legitimately good. Like he he is actually really really good. <laughs> and, and, and what are I you think, laughing at? So it's it's just <laughs> like yeah, it's, it's just not even within the context of a rookie is what I'm getting at, right? Like I think he's actually just played very well. The fact that you know mid lane is a really stacked role is convincing me a little bit here too. And also to be honest, I do think it's easier to look good on a good team. And I think Danny is good. Mm -hmm. And and I may go back and forth on this, but like, oh my God, man. A a Blaze Olive, he doesn't have anywhere near the same level of support, I think, that that Danny has, right? Like the surrounding cast is not really Uh comparable. EG is slamming and is he
0: getting hipster? Bonus points for you he's, for wanting to like. He's underappreciated, so you jumped to Well, maybe a little bit, but also like I
2: just think if you're on a good team and you're an ADC, it's easy. It's it's like the easiest role to look good at mm-hmm. when everyone around you is good, mm-hmm. right? Because you kind of just sit there and you farm and then you do stuff in the team fights. I'm not saying that's all he's doing. I'm just saying he has an easier job than a blaze olive. I think.
0: Yeah, I I'm still in the Danny camp. All right, right, uh, so hear we've it. got we've got three different cases. Mark's already left. You're in a blaze olive is on the pathway there. He's halfway halfway over to join. He's got you. one leg over the fence, yeah. but he's kind of looking back at Danny still. Like- so I do agree that very oftentimes AD carries have super easy jobs. But to me, the coolest thing about Danny is that he has not been a cleanup AD carry. His best clips and his best moments yeah. are these you know, 1v1 outplays or these flash forward pentakills, this type of stuff. And he is a big part of the reason why Evil Geniuses this year is a completely dis- different discussion topic from last year. So I think he deserves a lot of credit. A blaze has a very good mm-hmm. resume too, but I am still in uh, Camp Danny. And and I think on the Danny side, one of my arguments for him was also that it's like,
2: he's probably going to get an All-Pro vote for me, right? Like, I think he's going to be my probably like third team All-Pro. and And I'll think about it more, but like, that's just really impressive. You're a rookie and you're maybe third best in your position as far as this split. Um, you know, a Blaze Olive, I think, is lower in the rankings. But then, like, how much do you care about how stacked the role is versus versus you're not? Right. Like, a Blaze Olive might be fifth or sixth, but it's literally only imports above him. So it's
1: like, eh. Yeah, and AD carry the position feels a little weak right now with some of the turndown that some of the players had. It's like yeah. FBI number one. Probably tactical number two. Sven hasn't and been playing as well. Sven hasn't looked great. You know, you start getting into this, like, well, he could easily, he could easily get, get your third place vote. Uh, I think it's interesting because both players have pretty clear weaknesses as well. Like, to take the detractor side, mm-hmm. like O'Blaze Olive dies too much. You saw in the second Tom Kench game, sometimes he's just like, I'm gonna make this play, tunnels in 1v3 and kills himself. And you're like <laughs> I respect it. I mean, I respect <laughs> it. I'm glad he, he I'm glad he's aggressive and not afraid. But at the same time. You could be a little bit better yeah, about it. Yeah. Um, and then for Danny, you know, like he has a relatively weak laning phase and some of that's, you know, like they don't really focus on bot lane in the early laning phase, but I think sometimes it gets a little bit too swept up in that, like, well, he's playing with Ignar. And it's like, well, their roaming percent actually isn't that high, you know, like they're just actually not scary in lane, which yep. is fine for their team on a how they actually play the game level because they need some stability somewhere on the map and their bot lane doesn't hard lose. They don't get like, killed seven times or something in a game, which, you know, i take Any, a small CS deficit to then be a monster in the mid-game yeah. who is not just a cleanup carry. Like, for sure, very yeah. good. But those are the two things. Like, one's too aggressive and kills himself sometimes. One has a bit of a weak laning phase. Both are very important for their teams right now.
2: And I, and I think that's, like, totally normal for rookies, right? That yeah. it's, like, you have these clear areas of improvement. I'm just excited that the, the level at which they are coming out, yeah. Um, you know, for especially, like especially on the Danny side and this, this won't count in towards who I vote for, but the fact that he didn't even play Academy and that he's playing this well, like straight jumping amateur to LCS, I think is, is so impressive. And um, you know, I, I actually think overall just something that it feels like the community is maybe overlooking a little bit is how many like young players are actually in the league right now. Uh, I feel like it's gotta be more than we've had at least in the last five years I can't say to like season one and stuff because probably there was lots of young players and everything when like LCS first started. But I mean, God, like there's so many players from academy being moved up, being tried. uh, And and it feels really, really good to actually see a number of them having having good splits and improving. I feel like there was a time where they actually changed how rookie of the split was voted
1: for because like some splits had had like two candidates. And you're like, all right, I guess... I'll vote
2: for the one. Yep, and we've got Dana, we've got Blaze, we've got Revenge, we've got basically all of FlyQuest. We've yep. got uh, a lot of different players. Niles an iconic as well. Yep, I mean Niles obviously
1: not on the starting roster anymore, but for a period of time you had that. If you did go back to like splits versus year kind of thing, mm-hmm. I
0: wanted to shout out Revenge because. I found, or he messaged me on my birthday, and found that, and when he was looking at it, the last message had been like four years ago when he had made the decision to quit League of Legends and go to medical school. Oh, and my cool. messages to him were like, oh man, I'm really excited to see this. I really want to see you in the LCS. And it was all like, like laying out these things. Hope you come back, you know, good choice. You know, have fun in medical school. You know, it's going to be a great life decision, but I'm really going to miss you in the LCS. Out. And then he was like, hey. <laughs> Look what happened! It it actually worked. <laughs> like, and he's really been playing well. Immortals, obviously, yeah. right now are feel like they're even peaking a bit. So. Yeah. Um, that I feel like he's another kind of dark horse, I guess, to he this race. Even though most be. people think of you know Janian Jenkins plays all of.
2: I don't know if he's he should have played enough games too, right? And I think Jenkins would count as a rookie. And uh, Jenkins played he must really not count as a rookie, nope.
0: or else I feel like there would be more. I talk feel about like
1: it. he does count as a rookie. It's just so much back and forth. I think just with the roster situation, no one's mm-hmm. seriously considering him. Yeah. Huh. Cause he he has played
2: great. I mean, right? we have a lot of that's a lot of good candidates. There are there are. Yeah. And that's like that to me is just really exciting. I think that's actually I'm I'm feeling more hopeful about NA amateur and like the future of NA talent than I have been in a lot of years. Yeah. I'm excited. You guys I'm drinking <laughs> and you guys are both silent.
1: Hey, Azale, what's your take on the prevailing negativity in the eSports community? Great
2: transition, Mark.
1: It's just awkward because I don't usually do any transitions and it's your own kind of thing. So it's just like when you yeah, start
2: drinking. Yeah, I was drinking,
1: so I, it's not the sh- one of you two. You know, it's, it's, it's your it's thing. You could have <laughs> just said it. It's on me. I, I admit that I should have seen the drink and I should have taken the transition. Well, this is making a much better mark, so great job. Uh, hey, Azale, what's
2: your
0: take on this, this, Be careful what you ask for. You wanted a transition? True. Dude, that was I give you the most
2: on-the-nose transition. That was you can truly get. the worst transition in dive history, and that's a that's I will a low blow. Wait, out.
0: you sounded kind of negative right now.
2: <laughs> Thanks, this, God. This a problem so, in sports. So I mean, this this is uh, I don't know. Probably a lot of people have seen the tweet. Um... I, if you haven't, I mean, I'm basically just like my my feeling has been, and this has been building up for a couple of years, and it's not just in anything. It's, it's really like I was referencing a pro league thing, but the more I thought about it, I just think it's like a League of Legends thing, period, because I've been feeling this as far as playing the game too, is that people have become more and more negative more and more like looking at the at the glass being half empty focusing on the mistake in a play instead of an outplay focusing on the thing that went wrong instead of the thing that went right um and to me it has built up to a point where it just feels like sometimes overwhelming and i was just feeling like really frustrated by this and i was like you know what like fuck it i'm gonna say something right and and i was thinking about like i always think back to when I think about this topic, about the Faker play, right? And that's that's why I put the screenshot in. That's why I referenced that. And it's just like, that is a perfect example of this is the literal most famous play ever. It's the blind pick game five, you know, Faker versus Ryu, Zed 1v1. Faker does this like insane mechanical outplay, wins uh, a 1v1 that no one thought he would win, blah, blah, blah. And both Shens don't use the alt, right? And it's like, there's some reasons that they maybe didn't use the alt. That's not really the point. Like there's like kind of a 4v4 happening bot or they're pushing a bot, whatever. It's more just about like that that's an easy thing that you could have gravitated to and been like insects the reason they lost he ruined ryu's career by not alting you know and it's like well even if he couldn't have channeled he should have pressed it for the shield and that would have saved you know it's like you could easily go down that negative route but i didn't feel like people did and i feel like more in the past people were looking at, at the positives and the cool parts of plays rather than hyper focusing on the negatives and at sometimes of the, at the expense of considering the positives at all and it's just something that i've just been frustrated about and I'm not really sure, like, how to solve or anything, but, uh, you know, just kind of feeling frustrated.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's always been... There's always a balance. And even when the the game is new, um, you know, some of the... Some of the most iconic moments are also making fun of bad plays. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, like that TP sucked. Every time someone says it, like medic said it this last weekend or whatever, I got it flooded with with yeah. uh mm-hmm. you know mentions and stuff because you know, some of the some of the moments are like laughing at, you know, comically funny wonders yeah. or whatever. So it, yeah, yeah, it's definitely always a balance. I have examined this more from the solo queue mentality and Something that people have always been complaining about for League of Legends, which is, you know, the deterioration of ranks community and and the, you know, interactions of players there too. And I've I've thought about it. I've always felt like no matter what game it is, when it's brand new, there's so many new things to try. And so everyone's thinking about what can I do and what can my team do? You know. Positively, and so you're always trying to figure stuff out. And so naturally, the longer that any game goes on, and league has now been a very, very, uh, you know, long-standing game, you're going to have more and more build-up of you are solidified in what your view is and what you know is right or what you think is right. And so that will cause you to shift your your area of examination from this creative place to nitpicking and, and taking away other areas.
1: Yeah. And like you can in create some systems to try and minimize that, but I think, you know, there's a million reasons people start getting more negative over time. Just like I don't play the game as much now. So I feel what, like
0: I tilt quicker yeah, than I used to. I, I feel like
1: lot, I'm an old grumpy man. For whatever reason, there's a million reasons it could be that. I, I also look at it from like the traditional sports angle, because there were a lot of people in the thread about mm-hmm. that talking about how it feels like there's less of that in traditional sports. And I think there's a lot of really interesting reasons behind that because league is like a zero sum game like in order for someone to make a cool play someone has to die whereas like sometimes someone just like hits a nasty fadeaway they play good defense you play good offense and like you just celebrate the guy who like hit the shot
2: but i feel like the league, league take would be shitting on the person for playing bad defense exactly, even if they played good defense exactly
1: but I think it's still more obvious because, like, if you take a one v one trade and you fight each other and you both ignite, which happened in I forget which game it was t- this weekend, it was like Diego versus Gwen, and the Gwen is yeah. not used to the guy taking the ignite and so miscalculated the level one all in or level two whatever it was. You know, like and people just naturally be like, "Well, you shouldn't have done that," because mathematically you lose that now. Versus, like, I think you have like video game, which is like more numerically based. You could argue yeah. that like makes it more binary, where it's like, "Well, you just shouldn't have done that." Yeah. Whereas in in pro sports it's like well i don't really even know what this human being is capable of i just saw him put his hand up and jump to try and block the shot i don't even know what he
0: should have done different you just accept that like hey the guy hit the shot that's nuts i use something from tennis a lot unforced errors versus you know forced errors and i I, there's more gray room in this because it's not like oh yeah you hit the ball out uh all by yourself there great job yeah it's like well there was
1: a crazy spin on it or like you know you chopped it and like the guy wasn't you know whatever um to that point though you know like in pro sports, if someone snaps the football and goes flying over the quarterback's head and it's a comical play, they'll laugh at it like that TP play. Mm-hmm. But it's that gray area of plays where it's like, well, that was probably just a good play and we're humans and we make mistakes. And those are the ones that I feel like are more negative in, yeah. in esports than in pro sports.
2: And and to me, like to be clear, and I think some people maybe misinterpreted a little bit. Most people, I think, got, got my point and kind of, you know, related. Um, but... I have no problem with critiquing plays or criticism of plays. It's just when it becomes so overwhelmingly negative or that like a bad play or a player having a bad game equals game is bad, league is trash, team is trash, you know, like this sort of stuff where it just feels like it blows out to like, um, you know, just this this kind of ridiculous amount where it's like you're not even allowed to like enjoy the game. Or if you yeah. if you say something positive about a game that had mistakes in it, even if it's literally just that was a fun game, like you're going to get roasted in the comments for it and it's it's kind of like this negative backlash on a lot of positivity that then discourages people from saying positive things about games as well and kind of just is this like you know the snowballing effect like the tsmc9 game had lots of mistakes but I thought it was a genuinely really fun game to watch. Like, I thought it was back and forth. There was, like, tension on who was going to win. There was a lot of good plays. There were lots of mistakes, too. You can criticize Perks a lot. You can criticize the TP decision a lot. Like, there was things to criticize, for sure. And and they should be criticized. But to me, a mistake does not make a bad game. A bad pick and draft does not make a bad game. You know, like... uh an, an item choice that isn't ideal does not make a bad game, right? Like, these things can culminate in a, in a boring game or whatever, but it is not just, like, an immediate one-to-one. And so I was just surprised by the amount of, like, people that were like, that game sucked. Like, it was trash. Like, how could you think this is good? You know, everything sucked. It just felt like so, oh, my God, this is just... Kind of crazy
1: yeah i mean especially even that last play like lost in sword art outplayed the 2v2 at dragon really hard like there are even they outplayed both 2v2s yeah like you can yeah the tp play was questionable but like mechanically hey some of these people still made pretty nuts plays so i think there's there is the part that people choose to focus on most people would prefer to critique for whatever psychological reason you want to get into i think it makes you feel smart yeah i think so too well
0: yeah I also i i it's it's a gray scale I, I wouldn't go completely in the camp either way. Yeah,
2: you want to do both, yeah, right? And, you and,
0: need a genuine balance of just reacting genuinely to you know, absolutely. what is going I mean, on. Yeah. I mean, to me, like what
2: I always strive for, and I definitely am not trying to say I always hit it, but like what my goal is, is to give honest praise and honest criticism, right? If I think something was was bad, I, tr- I try to criticize, but I try to maybe give reasoning or thought process behind what they could have been looking for. Um, And, and when I think something's good, I try to really praise that and call that out and, and explain why I think things are good. And, you know, I think, I think walking that line is, is fun. I think when it gets too overly negative, it can really, like, I don't know, just om- almost feel like everything sucks. What's the point of watching kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't want it to go down that road. Um, so, you know, I, I'm definitely trying to be cognizant of it and, and, and you know, and hoping that just talking about it will make more fe- people feel okay to talk about it too and to, like, take the kind of positive side of things sometimes.
1: Yeah, I'm never going to insult a player again. See if I
2: can get through this podcast. (laughs) You absolutely are. Within (laughs) 10 minutes. (laughs) And that's fine. And that's fine. But it's, it's just when it's overwhelmingly on one side. Yeah, I'm with you. Same thing on praising too. It's just it's just as bad if people are just like you know someone flashes in the wall, misses every skill shot, and they're like, "Wow, where would that wall come from? Holy crap! Wow, yeah, you know, (laughs) he's just too tanky." Yeah, exactly. So to me, to me, that stuff is like just as bad, and and hopefully people can uh, in the community can find maybe more of a balance. All right, patch
0: eleven fifteen, hot off the presses, baby. There's not a lot of really exciting changes though, <laughs> at least for me. Yeah, uh, I was most initially surprised that they're buffing Trundle again, because Trundle seems good. Trundle's already in, and it is a very good buff. You know, Q is the most spam spell. You're using this literally all game, mm-hmm. and you're taking half a second off of it. Then um, that it's definitely good. They also gave Sejuani the classic Sejuani buff, where they just give Sejuani a little bit more damage on the second swing of W. They've done that several times. They're like, this tank, what does it need? More swing and health percentage damage on the W. Um, Which is an interesting direction to go, like continually trying to buff tank damage instead Mm -hmm. of tank Tank stats, <laughs> um, but yeah, the the, the my jungler review was very quick for this one, and it yeah. was mostly like, all right, what mid laners do I watch out for? I guess Kiana's coming back. That's gonna be scary. I felt like a couple a couple things
2: that were noticeable. I mean, I, I don't think that the Blitzcrank buff is that insane. He got like three armor and a little yeah. bit on Q. But Blitz is again one of the champions that I already see. So I always like when I'm already seeing something and then it gets buffed. I'm like, ooh, that could be. This could get really big um rel more along that line because the rel w cooldown got got reduced and like that was what immediately started people playing it less so that that has now been significantly reduced and again we were already seeing some of this champion so like i think rel is going to be all over i think we're going to see blitzcrank still situationally because it's just like more of a hit or miss style champion and not everyone's gonna be comfortable playing it um the one i was kind of like most interested in was was the the casio change because that felt like for early levels it could actually be a really big deal at level one your e literally does double damage yeah. so like if, if you have that that level two play where you're playing it aggressive you hit the q uh the spamble damage is really big it's plus 10 damage at all ranks so like as, as you go higher it's it's less of a percentage uh of an increase but i still think theoretically uh, it, it could it could be a big deal in, in some matchups and and maybe that'll like push Cassio into a place where people are at least considering the champion.
1: Yeah, I mean, people are going to be playing Ryze, Azir, and like, you know, it was, Rise was really prevalent this weekend. You might start seeing more of that kind of caster squad that yeah. always shows up together, which is like, oh, here's Azir and Rise. well, here comes Cassio and Hori, and, and Syndra's going to show up a little bit for a little bit more early game version, and you kind of get those five, which are the staples of control mages um so maybe you start seeing a little bit more casio into those kinds of situations i still feel like she's a little awkward in terms of just like play pattern mm-hmm. because she's so immobile mm-hmm. and doesn't really have any defensive tools like even Sindra stun is so much better to have than casio R.
2: the w i think can be really powerful against some yeah. champions so like you know the the grounding effect i think can be really really nice depending on the on the team but i, I kind of agree with you that we will see it less i also am of the opinion that casio Requires a lot of games. I think it's one of those champions that, like, unless you're really good at it, it's not a good champion. Uh, I do think just like the the movement paradigm with like how you kite, how it's like it's a lot like, of ma-
1: control mages, man. You know, like yeah, Sing- or, uh, Cassio or God, Azir and Oriana are both also like that.
2: Yep, yep. So I, I I just see so many players actually kind of like messing up on how you actually move and kite with the E because you literally like to kite perfectly with this champion you basically just click in one direction and then mesh e and your character turns and, and E's as you're going along and i see so many people like clicking back and forth and it's like you know you're, you're actually like unoptimized doing that as if you just let your character walk in straight line like there's just things that just feel weird about how you play it yeah um and and the really good casio players can really calculate how much damage they have with their mana pool because that's mostly the limiting factor in early games to like sometimes get all ends and stuff and, and really take over a lane but um it, it'll be interesting the gwen gwen change i also think is really really big uh gwen's attack speed at level one on the e like the attack speed bonus literally got cut in half went from 40 to 20 so like i kind of think gwen's probably dead at this point it's taken a few nerfs and this one feels like a really really big nerf because people max q so you don't generally just put the one point in the e till till you start the it's like your secondary skill so i think it's actually a pretty significant nerf
1: what about viego solo lane because a lot of the, the changes were pretty targeted at that healing mm-hmm. off minions damage dealt against monsters went up again i feel like that's the second time that they they did that so i don't know i feel like viego has just become jungler probably
2: yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see like if like Aurelia and some of those champions are are kind of like moving in and taking that space. Cause we saw some Aurelia coming out. Um and some of these champions that have maybe been getting like nudges over time and starting to get some play uh, might become more popular.
0: Wait, I'm for sure gonna play some Shyvana. Okay, Shyvana's in there. That's my that's my new jungle. This is actually pretty big. Cooldown on Q, two seconds early. That's gonna help out early clear speed a lot. AP, AP or AD? AP ratios are, are getting buffed. I've always liked, and there's been a a very good bump in win rate for going the tankier, um, you know, Frostfire. Cruiser like build. Yeah, um, which is like the old Glacial Mallet style Shyvana and it's run people down. I always like those ones, but AP ratios are also getting buffed, so... I always hate AP Shyvana. Ruma. You you mentioned Shyvana a lot, so that's why that one caught my eye.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I like Shyvana. I used to play a lot of her, and it was the tanky, I'm an idiot, like, just <laughs> yeah. gonna, like, run into your face. You'll try and kill me, and I'm gonna alt away. And But it feels like for a while, the AP Shyvana, while not the better for solo queue, depending on especially your current standing, it uh, feels like the top end has always been a little bit better. Uh, people in pro play, usually when they played it, I think were playing the AP Shavana build, and this is just going more into that. So I'm a, I'm a little sad. I want tanky brain off Shivana, not E spam.
2: Well, it sounds like you could probably still play it. You could probably still do like no, I- Iceborn Titanic, it's right? Good, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I know, but the buffs did not help me in my life. Well, play. the Q cool they help I mean. you a bit. The Q cooldown do. helps. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm just looking at the AP ratio. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, man, I don't care about this AP ratio on my Q. That uh, gonna-
0: contracts might be happy that Nidalee's getting a buff. I don't think we have literally any other sounds junglers, used to play it, did junglers yeah. that are like really. Yeah, oh, it, it feels like a Spica. really targeted did, yeah. one. Okay, Speaka. Speaka was close huge your heart, spammed it, yeah. start of summer lane. Yeah, year too. we've got we've got a but few. Contracts is the only close one... We lost he... every game, unfortunately, with it. But <laughs> Contracts is the only one who's actually been playing it re- without buffs recently, uh, okay. and so I feel like it's targeted for him because people ban it away. It's um, a
2: player buff when they face not him. a champion buff. It gave
0: you no. more HP. I feel, like... but yeah, that that is a really good point about Speaker, though.
2: Speaker uh, was really uh, good with the Renekton Italy stuff. So that, that'll be pretty interesting. I'm excited for the new patch. See uh, see what's happening with that. So this uh, this coming weekend, week nine, I actually can't believe it. It feels pretty weird that we're already to the end of the split. I always feel like it goes by so insanely fast. And it's like, oh, my God, it's playoffs. Oh, my God, it's Worlds. How but, time flies.
0: You know, yeah. old people say that a lot, too.
2: Yeah, we're old. <laughs> so we say that. So that checks out. You
1: know what made it go by fast? What? Usually week six, seven, eight are the doldrums. It's <laughs> Doldrums. The doldrums, because you're watching these teams who are like not great play games. Yeah. Golden Guardians and FlyQuest having their mini revivals during those weeks. The roster swaps. Yeah, and, stuff. and all that stuff actually saved it because the top of the table is always interesting. It's when you're like, oh, all right, seven's playing 10. I don't really care. But because these things were happening, I actually really enjoyed watching them for the last couple of weeks, which has like catapulted me through the worst part of the split. <laughs> what are you laughing about that for? <laughs> it's
2: just like. I don't know, it's just the way. But normally it. those
1: games are go next fast, you know, like get me to the other matchups. But now I actually care that like I want Golden Guardians, you know, to probably get out of get into playoffs. Whereas normally it's I'm like It's
2: starting to look kind of grim for them though, cuz they they yeah. they went 0-3 this weekend, right? Yeah. Like it was 2-1, 2-1, and it's like, okay, you're pretty good. This, these, some of these losses were pretty close and yeah. actually like maybe maybe um could it could have been wins pretty easily, but they're still a couple games back. Let's look at the actual, actual They're one
1: game behind FlyQuest and one game ahead of CLG. Okay. And yeah. so, like, technically anything can happen right now, but they also play each other on Friday. I feel so like that, that's
2: going to dictate a lot of it. That's pretty
1: much going to decide it. If FlyQuest wins, it's also for head-to-head because they're tied oh, between two. Oh, yeah. So if you win the head-to-head for FlyQuest, you get a two-game lead and you get the um, head-to-head for Golden Guardians. It ties you but gives you the head-to-head as well. So yeah. it's a pretty monstrous game on Friday between those two teams.
2: Golden Guardians have a pretty—they uh, have hundred thieves on Saturday, and then they have Immortals on Sunday. FlyQuest have CLG and Immortals, so they do have the easier schedule. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm actually really excited for the for the kind of like final playoff race because to your point, I mean, I, I am more excited, I think, for for Golden Guardians to make playoffs than FlyQuest right now. I just think that they have looked better, so I would be more interested to see them play best five.
0: I think I agree. Are you guys more interested for the cutoff at the bottom race or the race for first place and playoff buys and stuff?
1: Momentarily, the bottom, but I care right. more about the top because the top teams are largely already qualified and like first versus second and second versus third. Like, yeah, there's playoff buys in, in the picture. And
0: stuff. Momentarily. Hmm. So how long does this moment last? Until the end because of week Because we've night. got one week. Yeah. Th- okay. Then your answer is just it's the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah momentarily. <laughs> until
1: it's over until I and don't then. think that they have any chance in best of fives versus
2: all the top teams also, but I mean also TSM and 100 Thieves are both two games up yeah right so they would have to have a really bad weekend and EG slash Cloud9 and would have to have a really good weekend so it feels it feels unlikely that they, they would get unseated 100 Thieves do have a tough schedule it's, it's TSM and EG Mm -hmm. and they had a rough week so i mean it could happen um but but still then eg would have to like beat them and probably they probably realistically have to win out right EG
1: also has a tough schedule i think they play tl tsm and 100 thieves
2: and they probably need a 30 i think cloud nine looked better this weekend as well so it's like maybe they could do it maybe uh, eg could do it but um just just the fact that you're two games back with three games remaining makes makes that playoff race unlikely
1: yeah. Oh, it's C nine. Excuse me. Uh, e G is playing C nine TL and
2: Hundred Thieves. That's that that being said, like I actually think that E G and C nine like absolutely can contend with those teams at the top. Like I yeah. think that um, it, it's been nice to see Blabber actually look better because I feel like I don't know if I'm just being kind of like colored by the, this weekend, um, but it feels like at least for the last couple weeks I, I have felt like he has been doing better, and it had been a while since I felt like Blaber was really in form. I think that. Um, the current meta is kind of helping him I mean he's really good on Olaf I think he's really good on on Zinn those style of champions that seem to be getting through draft a little bit more so uh, I'm going to be excited to see like if that that trend continues because we could end up with like a really competitive top 4 top 5 because I wouldn't be shocked you know if if EG can take down one of those uh, top 2 teams I wouldn't be shocked if C9 could do it I definitely think that TSM has been like the most consistent and hasn't really had a big fall off. Like Hundred Thieves feels like they're kind of slowing down towards the end, Um, but no,
0: I'm I'm pretty excited for for both EG and C9. My biggest thing for Cloud Nine is how much Fudge does for the team, especially with all of the you know interviews and talking about his communication first Vulcan gave him credit the last weekend for calling out "Hey, I'm gonna get dove soon come here boom they win the game off of him roaming up and protecting mm-hmm. him from the dive then I was on Bud Light League Lines with Blabber, and Blabber was saying Fudge is the best on his team at communicating and playing for jungle and talking about that and they're focused so heavily on playing for jungle mm-hmm. that every player is always you know thinking about Fudge is the guy these steps so MVP he's getting he's got uh good references uh, on top of his good play that he's already shown just in the games so to me that's uh that's one of the biggest building factors i have for cloud nine because also in the games like Vulcan. despite yeah you can give credit to fudge for calling for that play the first time around but he i felt like he has been completely nailing it uh last like
1: month yeah i feel like c9 is close to returning to form much closer than like tl for instance who was another team that was struggling compared mm-hmm. to spring you know, Perks and, and Sven still. feel like they have a little bit of catching up to do. But to your point about Blaber, like that TSM game they lost, like Blaber was murdering TSM. Yeah. He he made so <laughs> many plays after not being ahead on Olaf. I think that was the impressive part for me. Is like Olaf from ahead, yeah, you you run at them and they die. But he was actually making plays often in side lanes from behind
0: and having to like actually pick the windows pretty well. And they did not draft him any shields or speeds. So that was not like, oh, we're gonna draft around Blaber's Olaf, which they do very successfully. Quite a quite often but yeah that's a good point because it used to be always be with like seraphine and stuff like that that even like
1: kindred stuff like they they would always i feel like play around blabber um and so it's good to see him like not the focal point if it is going to be more like hey fudge is getting gwen and viego and Aurelia and like whatever the carries are right now like we should invest resources into him it means you can't probably be investing in blabber quite as much so
2: do you do you think that fudge should be in the consideration for mvp because i feel like Nine has not done that well so like he hasn't been getting as much talk, but like individually, he's
0: been so good, even in losses. I think he should be in consideration for sure. I, I don't think he's yeah, he's a front runner, He's
2: not a front runner, he's like a dark horse or he's something. Definitely, what if they 3 0 this last weekend and they finish first?
0: And he pentakills and gets well the he's just he's just popping
2: and, off, you know. He's doing yeah. <laughs> his thing. He's calling for dives top and Vulcan's Roman.
0: Yeah, I, he's for sure in there. One of the biggest things right now, towards the end of the split, is that there's so much competition in the top five teams even. On any given day, that would be a difficult bet to take. I mean, Hundo, Thundo. Except
2: for TL, who's number five.
0: Yeah, TL's probably in their own little team. I would still separate as top five and bottom five teams.
2: Yeah, but TL never beats anyone above them. That's the big detraction I have from them, is that they they literally I never they G, got one they have right? eg once okay they
0: got one <laughs> I believe it. You you can't, can't say wrong. never in three
2: round robins right so it's like <laughs> yikes um, they have one more chance I think they play Cloud Nine because that's also like the the bet that crumbs and uh, guys had uh, whether or not they were gonna beat a team above them in standings but like that is that is like a shocking stat for a team that was in the spring finals and has consistently been really good over the last couple of years to just like. Be the guys that never beat one of the top four teams. You know, one time in a triple round robin, that's a lot of games. That's twelve games. So they are they, they have one more remaining. So they are now one in ten, and they they possibly going one in eleven against. They got top EG, four EG teams. one more time too. Okay, so they are one in nine right now.
0: I feel top like four. Team Liquid has been suffering from so much playmaking pressure on Core JJ. It is literally all on him because Sanctuary Santorin, medical reasons, can't play anymore. And so Armeo is in, mm-hmm. who I think is actually a good job. Ju- I think he gets flamed, overly flamed, you know, too much, too much criticism. But he is not the proactive mindset, you know, more so for junglers. He's much more of the reactive. control and reactive and you know, lanes call for what they need. And Team Liquid also has this prevailing style of trying to set up way ahead of time, having all these controlled plays minimize risk. And so. Actually, isn't that surprising that on a downward turn they're as consistent as, as not you know taking a lot of surprise games? Well. <laughs> <laughs> because if you if that is your approach to the game, and this is not even individual strategies, because they've actually run several different strategies. It's just that if your whole prevailing view on the game is around these concentrated choices that you want to make and you're trying to minimize perfect prep. Exactly. Then it it does kind of make sense, but when you watch the games, I feel like there's so much pressure on Core JJ to make all of these big plays for them, even when they have you know a lot of resources top and they're getting fed top laner uh, or something like that. Yeah, I think individually they can skill check pretty much anyone in the standings, but
1: because they don't have like what feels like right now a great way to win the game, even the Alfari snowball top, which was <laughs> heavily talked about um, on the analyst desk this weekend, like. They do a good job actually getting him ahead. Like, Core JJ on Leona games and like getting up there and actually snowballing him, they they do a really good job of getting him ahead. Mm -hmm. The problem is like mid game, there's a dragon contest. Like, how do we do it? And they seem to have no clear plan on how to start a fight at these situations to help then actually win the game. Yeah. Which is where all the teams above them are actually pretty good. I mean, as much as people want to flame a lot of those teams, like, they're all honestly good about. Calling their shot when they want to go in. Even some of the teams below them, like
0: Dignitas, are better about making a
1: play. Mm-hmm. They're just individually a lot weaker.
0: It's. I really liked Alfari's interview though that Dash did with him this last weekend, where <laughs> oh, he's asking him. He, he was like, <laughs> "Why are you so well, good?" Well, well, he also asked him like, "Would you rather be the team that gets consistent good early leads and then fumbles it at the end, <laughs> or the other way around?" Oh, of course, you'd rather win. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like the the answer is, well, you want to win the game. Next, yeah. explode. <laughs> yeah, but. Alfari was like, well, the easier part to him was fixing the late, late stuff. Yeah, uh, And so if that is actually true and they can hammer that out in time, then you can see one of the issues that people always throw onto Team Liquid of being the, oh, they're always just this methodical slower or setup or whatever. If they can smooth out the, hey, this is our go-to. We snowball, we get this early lead, and we can transition it to late game victories... Then you f- you finally solve the problem. Mark's not buying. I'm not it.
1: buying what he's selling because it's a play <laughs> style thing. It's not yeah. for me. Like I think it's really hard to get a group of generally more reactive players or whatever you want to talk about. I mean, tactical is aggressive, right? But like as a core, the way they approach the game is not super. As a core. As, I hate you. My point is, it's, it's harder to change, like, hey, let's go make plays versus, like, oh, we threw a Baron a couple times, right? Like, if they were just making Baron mistakes for these losses, I think that'd be an easier, like, write off of, like, hey, we get leads. We're really good. <laughs> don't do that. And we throw up Barons. So let's fix that. But if it's like, hey, we kind of get leads, but then we don't know what to do with them, that's, a, I think, a lot harder to fix.
2: Well, and one of the things that to me actually made me lose a lot of confidence in Team Liquid was Tactical talking on Next Level. His interview, I don't know if you guys caught that episode, um, but he was basically talking about how, like, the the mindset that it that came off that they were in was that like basically you have to have the perfect play right you know he was kind of laughing about like oh like we don't go for like the like random stuff right like we don't go for the risky stuff like we clear out all the woods we set up all the vision you know we take the like we take the guaranteed play right and we're very methodical about like not doing anything silly and like taking the sure play and to me that actually like like he was saying it as a positive but like to me I, i was hearing negative i was hearing like. I just don't think the game is played currently. In this like perfect world where you have all vision you have all boxes checked and and everything is perfect for every setup there is some inherent risk and if you watch like the top lpl teams or you watch uh, top teams from any league like they are taking some risk and they are betting on execution they are setting up as much as they can reasonably of course you want to have good setup um, but you have to take some risks you have to be able to start plays and to me that was like so indicative of what i see from them in their games where they have, they have Alfari way ahead, right? Like, compare the Alfari GP game against, I think it was Golden Guardians uh, against Licorice, right? Where he got like massively ahead. Yeah, yeah. Compare that to like the Hooney Jace game and how the two players played very differently with their lead, right? Like, there is some risk of like Hooney maybe losing his lead because he's roaming around, but he was just running around the map and going mid lane, sieging there, looking for a gank, moving. Like, they're constantly trying to apply pressure with this advantage. And it felt like TL. Basically, like Alpha creates his own lead and then they did a good job extending it, but then they didn't really do anything with it. And that's how a lot of their games feel is that they're waiting for this perfect play that never comes. And then eventually a, a fight goes bad and all of a sudden they're losing. And it's like, what the hell how did this happen?
0: It's kind of similar to my feeling of like there being so much pressure on Core JJ to do all, you know, be all the things, mm-hmm. make every play and and start up a lot of those. Um because it does feel like, yeah, they don't have a lot of different points of pressure. It it, it often comes down to that grouping for objective and, and trying to kick it off that way. And then if you compare this to Evil Geniuses, would you say Evil Geniuses? Yeehaw! That's right here. They're definitely the other end of the scale. Are they the current best team in the yes. LCS? Yes. For summer, they have a chance to prove it this coming weekend with their difficult. Uh, matchups that they have i believe it would secure them as the uh as su- if you're looking at summer schedule only yep strongest. i mean I,
2: I think I think like so summer schedule only like they're very close with 100 thieves yeah um but also like part of the reason that I think they are the best is not like looking at the entire split it's looking at recency as well because they they started out the split like 50 50 they're like five and five or six and five or whatever right and then since then they've been like 11 and 2 or 12 and 2 or something so like the run that they have been on it has felt like what's have... our
0: freak meme if you just take out all the free losses at the beginning take out all the bad parts it's good <laughs> yeah, we yeah, just yeah, take sure. out all the bad parts
2: at the... <laughs> well, we're talking about who's the best team right now right <laughs> I <know it's>... yeah you <laughs> know what you're saying um don't think it applies but i know what you're saying uh so i i think they're they're really really good right now um i i think that Almost when I've heard other players talk, talk about them, it feels like they're being underrated, which makes me maybe think they're not as good in scrims. And like I've I've heard some of that, and I could also see like just based on EG playstyle, like them doing some dumb shit in scrims and losing. I I can't say what happened, but let's just say I was somewhere and someone showed me a
1: screenshot of a level one of a scrim. Ah, uh, yeah. And it was the trollest thing. Someone's like, "Tell me what's wrong with the screenshot." Instantly, I was like. <laughs> My eyes open. I was like, "What is happening here?" So yeah, there's there's definitely some uh, some scrims.
0: That... I mean, the... I mean, I've seen them troll on stage. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so yeah. I, I could definitely imagine nothing's it in off rims. the table. <laughs> yeah,
2: but but they're they're really good, and I, and I I just like that style of League of Legends where they take risks, but they set up and and try to like tip the scales as much in their favor as they can before they take the risks. They set up the waves properly. They take these fights, but they're believing in their execution,
1: and like they're just willing to do. More not know with like unnatural to word, but like weirder things, like the the game with the lane swaps this weekend where they're just like running top to bot and like finding all these plays and stuff, like. A lot of teams... Yeah, are like, Impact
0: go. is willing to kill both solo laners by himself, yeah, by the He's way. willing to... Nobody asked him, but he was willing
1: the whole was, time. Yeah. You should have just
0: asked. I just mean
1: like, hey, they put a mid, this guy goes top. Yeah. And like A lot of teams are like, I'm a top laner, I'm going to go top. And Impact's like, I'll go where you need me. I'll kill him anywhere. <laughs> uh, which I think, you know, I think that's what makes them hard to probably play against a little bit. It's like, you just actually don't know what they're going to do at any given moment.
2: They also have the killer instinct when they're ahead. And that's something that people have been critical about about some of the other teams of like, oh, they're too slow to close out even if they're ahead. E- EG is definitely going to dive you. They are going to try to like really push the pace of the game. Um,
0: and and I'm, I'm really excited to see how, how they look in playoffs. Are 100 Thieves actually slipping or are they just coming up against the teams that are on the rise? They got upset by Immortals. And then Cloud9, Cloud9 is having this resurgence. Their win over 100 Thieves was part of that resurgence Mm -hmm. and part of people having confidence in them again. But I don't feel like there have been super loose parts in the 100 Thieves lineup. Maybe we haven't seen Abadaga shine as bright as he did at the very beginning, but it doesn't seem like we point at some big, you know, gaping hole here that's going to cause a collapse. So I still feel pretty confident heading towards playoffs yeah uh, i i'm feeling
2: reasonably confident it is starting to like slip a little bit more because at first i was like well there was like you're just kind of some experimentation you did mm-hmm. the aspo thing you did the tom kench uh bot thing like maybe you don't really count those that much and like but it, it's like they basically have the inverse record of eg right where they started out with like two losses in 12 games or whatever and now they're basically a 50 50 team or thereabouts over the last like three or four weeks or whatever it is now um and, and at a certain point, it's like you, you can't ignore everything. It doesn't feel like they are really doing a lot of experimentation in these last couple of weeks. So, like, I don't feel like I can kind of give them that, that uh – Kind of get out of jail free card anymore and and to your point like i don't feel like any of them are like ah oh, this guy's been so bad it's just that they haven't been as dominant and when i try to think about the differences between now and the start it did feel like abadaga was just running over games right and whether that was like the meta read or whatever like that's what um perks was talking about on on next level uh where he was saying hey like he thinks hundred thieves actually aren't as good as people think. They just had an early read. He's like, Reaper asked some of his buddies, and you know, they gave him the they gave him the deets or whatever, yeah. whatever it was he said. Um, but basically something to that effect was just kind of funny. And so he so he attributes most of their success to Meta read. If that's becoming true, that that is kind of interesting. But I I feel like almost every game Abu is was popping off. And it's been a while since I've felt that way.
1: I feel like uh I'm on the a little bit pessimistic side of of it. You yeah. know, I'm not I agree that like they're still really good, and there's not like one key player <laughs> that I'm negative about them. I'm joking. I hate that. No, joking. I I, uh, I just think like you know that's even that CLG game they should have lost realistically. Like they should have had an 0-3 weekend, and they did not have the toughest strength schedule. This next weekend is going to be a lot harder. So I don't think you can write it off necessarily as like oh well, you know they came up. Against these two teams who are killing it, and C9 and Immortals, you know,
2: who had been three and seven or whatever
1: I think yeah, you said. Yeah, you know, like Immortals was on one of the worst
0: loss streaks before they had this. But that—that's the whole. You like again, it's beyond the streaks. It's like what the team is doing now, and I feel that's mm-hmm. the whole point of teams that are killing it, having their resurgences, you know, playing a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a stark difference between what they're putting up now and why they have these records leading up to it and i think
1: you know i used to watch 100 thieves and i'd be like their bot lane literally never loses lane and they basically don't get 2v2 killed that's been happening a little bit more like i'm one of the biggest fbi fanboys around i think and like he is like not bad but not like the dominant thing that just has permanent bot prio and just hard like camps everyone then you know it's like oh closing get dragged whenever he wants and all this stuff like i just feel like a lot of those individual advantages, like they're not bad, but mm-hmm. it's not nearly as pronounced as it was. Where it felt like they just ran over teams, which to me is not even just like the meta thing to ke- go against like some of the perks and like oh it's it's just their their comps. It's like well they're they're playing what everyone else is playing right now at this point, you know. And like, did they just have an insane read on Karma Zinn? Not really. It wasn't like that took over the world, you know. So I don't know. I, I think that they are they're they're struggling. I still think they're top four. I don't put them in the TL tier.
2: No, they're definitely not TL. Yeah, TL to me is their own tier because they're the the separator.
0: I guess exactly
2: right. Like they beat—they are literally the line. They beat everyone below them. They lose to everyone above them. It's like they're the TL tier, (laughs) (laughs) the bouncer. Yeah, (laughs) they're—they're the
1: line. They're clutch gaming. Four teams inside the club.
2: Everybody else out. And (laughs) TL's (laughs) just stuck at the door, bouncing people. (laughs) It's unfortunate. I'm sure they'd like to go in.
0: They accidentally punched EG one time, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, sorry, go, go back in. <laughs>
2: My mistake. sorry.
1: I Didn't, didn't recognize spilled, you. They spilled their drink on EG. Like, sorry.
2: Uh, what, what did you guys think of, of TSM this weekend? I mean, they they took down Cloud9. They took down Golden Guardians. They did have the loss to EG, um, but like. Come They're me. in the club, baby. They're in the club. They're in
0: the club. Right. I, You know, I always will have my reservations about, you know, bottom lane focus yeah. or lost or whatever you want to say, but they are in the club and they are partying. Uh, Speak has been partying for a long time. He's getting dubs on the Rift. He's making fun of Alfari. I, I'm loving the, like, interaction the banter, yeah. of those two going back and forth. It's it's grown into something I'm, like, each weekend, you know, kind of, ooh, what's the neck ep- next episode going to look like yeah. for that? Uh, you know, Huni, I think that Huni is one of these guys that the community reacts very strongly whether he's doing well or whether he's doing poorly they they want to call for his head either way and he's been doing quite well fitting into a lot of different areas for TSM showcasing some split pushing once again you know the the versatility of this team I think is there maybe you know the the area that you constantly are going to look at is going to be, oh, but what about their AD carry performance in some of these, you know, late game situations? Or what about objective calls for them going for base race or dragon trades or barons or whatever?
1: Yeah. I think there's still like areas you can talk about like, oh, the bot lane is hit or miss and their late game's not nuts. And like POE has basically gone back to control mages for the most part. Like the last... It's Eight. a good thing you guys have been saying that. No, I I'm, yeah. I'm down for it. But I'm just saying, like, there are these things you can point to to be like, oh well, they're they're not going to play like Diana Yasuo, like yeah. you know, like Digg I honestly is, don't
2: even care about that though, because all all the champions I want them to play have been nerfed.
1: Yeah, so I mean, like there's there's a lot of things that like you said, like, other teams in the meta are doing this, this, and this. I, I would rather have their own play style, which is like carry top, safe mid, mm-hmm. bot is like largely trying to roam, even though they're not currently great at it. Like there's an identity here that I'm like, all right, that just just do that, and they're working on that right now. And they have some uh, areas to iron out, but they're picking up wins as they go 2 1, 2 1. 1 2 was the, l- the last bad one that they had. And that was like mm-hmm. the PoE lease in game and stuff.
0: Hmm. Yeah. PoE also had a Singer game, I remember, where I was casting it. Ooh. He kept getting picked off. That Standing was. Standing in front of his Mundo and stuff like that. I was like, hmm several of those I What's mean, going on here what's, what's funny for me is like is, that's the an Sindra easy the game mundo. to right off the Syndra is in front of his own mundo
2: yeah but i just mean should the mundo have been in front or was he trolling which I, one was trolling who's the troll
0: rolling i think it's always going to be the the because you have to be like okay well he maybe the mundo should be in this location but he's not there so i mean the professor he's like living reality he's pathing out
1: of mid out of river to go mid lane and and like contracts is standing there and he's like, "This guy's not going to kill me." And then, Contracts just jumps on him and kills him. I'm like, "What are you? What are you doing, uh, Poe?" I, I feel like that's the game where you watch this like generally good three point shooter just like rain air balls, and you're like, "I'm not even worried about it because this is not who, who you are." Yeah, yeah. like just, this is this is not your actual like skill level.
2: The your, what you just said about the like moon and the zidger thing just remind me of of something you said. I don't even know when this was. Probably probably like six years ago or something that I always <laughs> always think about. Where it's like. When someone's flaming you for like not for not going to the dragon or something like that, and it's like they so they go like three v five and they die and like you idiots, you should have been at the dragon, (laughs) and it's like I I can't remember what the context was, but you're like yeah, but they weren't there, so don't three, you know, like
0: you have to live in reality. (laughs)
2: So that, that just gave me a big flashback to that, which I always yeah. I always love that saying. When people are, are going off in solo queue about
0: that, I'm like... Should have been there, but they weren't. Yeah. What does the decision tree look like now? Oh, <laughs> ah, wait, I don't stand in front oh, get no, one no, shot. No, 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 it's hint and type
1: with the gray screen. That yeah. is that is the play.
0: True. I mean, I felt that too. Sometimes you're so frustrated, like you're, you're spamping and barren, and then... I feel like closer even had this moment. There was a hundred thieves game. All yeah. hundred thieves oh. go to kill the opponent team. He's hidden bear by himself. It's at like 5,000 health. Oh, and he's just yeah. in there alone with Olaf, like, guys. <laughs>
1: and then he, then he goes in 1v5s. And yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. He salvages it. You know, yeah. everything's good in the end. They can have a good laugh about it later. That
1: was definitely the rest of his team trolling him, though.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That That's actually the worst, though, is when you're calling for a baron and you know it's free and someone's just like, goes to farm wolves or something instead or is just like refusing to group and just keeps splitting that's a tilter I will say you know as far as the bot lane criticisms to me like maybe this feels a little bit bad but it's like my criticisms have moved less to the bot lane and more to loss now I actually think Sword has been playing pretty well yeah. um, you know you can criticize Burks for, for not reacting well to the roams and that's fair like he should have flashed some of those Leonian gauges absolutely but Sword Art destroyed Burks in that game like with multiple roams um, you know some of the, the alts were really well timed, like that one where Perks alts forward and then he steps out of the brush and like the alt lands perfectly as Perks snaps back. Yeah. You know, yeah. like there,
0: there's actually nothing Perks could do in on that one because he came from fog too. Yeah.
2: And, and like the Rome topside, he actually came out of a bush and met him and killed him. Like there was a lot of situations where I was like, okay, like Sword Art's actually playing like really well, like how he's moving around the map. So even though Lost wasn't doing great in that game, it was like, okay, well, like there's this one point, but at least Sword Art is working well. And it's like, it's much more okay to have like, the ad who just kind of farms and then helps out late if the support is still active in the game if the support is, is like locked in that 2v2 lane and you're and both players are just losing and doing nothing then it's more of a problem so um you know it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues and sort of looks more to roam because they were doing it even when they picked Callisto, which is like lane dominant right like they were basically like using clista instead to just like get him through lane um and and provide more utility in team fights, which i think i think can be fine
0: yeah, <laughs> it's like the uh, the eighty carry equivalent of back to Lissandra is like go back on Kalista and give my support an extra life with, <laughs> with the ultimate, which doesn't even work because Kalista is also lane dominant and you want to mm-hmm. you know snowball uh, I, I like and play the, the off back, of it.
1: The, the back to Lissandra pick for eighty carries definitely Ash. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, yeah, well, Ash isn't a bad one either. Yeah. Well, the Ash is also lane dominant. Yeah, you, you,
2: sh- you should win me. most Emax. <laughs> I'm an Emax Ash player.
0: Honestly, jungle's favorite AD carry's got to be Ashe. Oh, I love Ashe.
1: I like any of the utility AD carries because then it's like I don't need to worry about engaging. That's no. you, Varus.
2: Go
0: flash alt somebody. Then you just flame them for they're missing their arrows and, and yeah, their yeah,
2: chains, yeah, huh, Mark? huh. I always feel like anytime there's an Ashe on the enemy team and I'm jungling, I can't do any sort of like cheese bath. It's just like pointless. You may as well just full clear. Yeah. Because hawkshot's gonna catch you.
0: It's pointless. Why even jungle? Yeah. Just give up. You get Just invalidated push. by one single ability yeah, of one bottom lane champion. And they're like, why
1: haven't you ganked anywhere <laughs> as like, you well, get shot, they, they, <laughs> they see your camps and you're like, all right, well,
0: they know I'm topside. I wonder why this top laner backed off. Why don't you gank? <laughs> why didn't you suicide into the ash to stop him from shotting me? Did you're gonna allow him to use a global on me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> as they put in your exist. ball in the with fresh ash and your <laughs> team's playing some other stuff, yeah.
0: <laughs> I like this as kind of a, a wrap-up question though mm-hmm. for for like top of playoffs would you rather if you did make it into playoffs and assuming you know you're one of the bottom teams yep. who just got in here would you rather face team liquid or immortals because the trajectories are about Immortal, to cross
2: immortals yeah to, to to me it's it's just like the concern of like ooh but like what if tl play like you kind of know they can <laughs> they they have they, yeah. have they have really talented players right so it's like what if they play to that top level I think a lot of teams would be scared of that whereas I think Immortals has had some good games and had a great weekend mm. um, but I mean they did two Draven picks like you kind of just like ban their specialties and you expect their ceiling to be lower than the ceiling of TL and I think that like all the top four teams would be, would be confident that if Immortals doesn't surprise them they're going to win the best of five whereas TL's maybe more of the wild card even though they have like consistently lost in the regular season. Yeah, I
1: mean, you can ask that about any of the bottom teams. You know, Dignitas, Immortals, whoever, I'd still rather play them over Team Liquid. Uh, Immortals, their bot lane is so hit or miss. When they win games, they look like usually pretty insane. Like the Draven games and uh, Destiny's, Destiny's games Hugs, yep. and like this this kind of stuff. And then when they're losing on, the, on that streak where they were like, I think three and seven in, in ten games, they had, mm-hmm. they had a stretch that was pretty bad. Their bot lane was terrible. And I feel like they are in a lot of ways the most important part of the map for Immortals, even if they're not like the best part of the map. Because I feel like Xersei, his highs are he's actually pretty incredible. His lows are like he's a little invisible. Whereas, like for their bot lane, it's like their highs are they're winning you the game. Their lows are that like you just don't have a bot lane for this game. <laughs> and it's like I, they're, they're so um, volatile that it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be that concerned. In the best of five, where I'm like, yeah, they're going to win three out of five bot matchups versus me if I'm a lot of the, the teams whereas I don't know I, I feel like that that makes me
2: feel okay playing into that I know who would say Team Liquid Speaker. <laughs> gimme
0: <laughs> then you get you more th- trash talk do th- opportunities do you think
2: you would do it when push comes to shove it's like I feel like there's a lot of
1: those things and you're like eh no one ever does that. They're like, yeah, give me TSM. I think Team Liquid tweeted this like, I mean, it was like two two. Oh, yeah, and then they had, they had the choice and, yeah, like, and then they it. didn't do it. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah,
2: I forget what it was, but Steve definitely tweeted some stuff about <laughs> Yeah, like,
0: I remember specifically. Well, yeah. that just D-O. happened
2: with um, Sven Skarin. Uh, I think they were playing against... Yeah, Van uh, Yeah, Van B- yeah, Kane or whatever. Like, they said, was like, leave Keenan. I can't remember. He said,
0: right. he told Acadian. Pick Kane versus me. See what happens. Yeah, and yeah. They, and banned they banned it, it in the yeah. first yeah, yeah. three bands, so he can't pick it. <laughs> and then again, it's like, yo, what happened, bro? And it's like, coaches. Coaching staff. <laughs> coaches, wasn't me. Wasn't <laughs> me. <laughs> Sorry, coaches.
2: Uh, I think that's, that's hilarious. All right. We got an anchor question here. This one comes from Adam Strasser. Hey, guys. Since the release of Ivern, his play rate has been consistently low due to a
1: variety of reasons outside of just his supportive play style. However, other than him, there really isn't another jungler that focuses on shielding or healing allies unless you maybe want to count Morgana's black shield. With that in mind, do you think that there should be one or two more supported junglers added to the pool? And if so, do you think that this should be done through adding new champions or should they allow supports to play in the jungle, such as my totally not troll Rakan jungle? Thanks, guys. Uh, I like playing support. In games, in general. I like being yeah. the healer. I like being the tank or whatever. I, I actually enjoy that. So like the play pattern of a jungler who's more supportive, I would totally play. Like Lulu jungle used to be a thing. And there I think there have been others probably, but that's the one that jumps to mind of like, oh, I played that. It was fun. I liked, you know, kind of just farming, defending my lanes from dives and stuff, not really gank focused. And then like we had a Kogma later. And, you know, now we're two supports buffing up this Kogma. I like that. Ivern's just so f-
0: stupid, dude. Just what? Like, what? I'm offended. What? Ivern's How is he stupid? stupid? Are Ivern... Okay, I'm not even playing League of Legends, my, dude. You just tried to promote Lulu jungle here, yes. and you're saying Ivern is stupid. Ivern creates way more opportunities than Lulu jungle ever did. My problem with trying to make more supportive you don't even junglers. Jungle,
1: you just you just make little circles around the camps, and you come back and you pick them up. I hate that. It's I don't.
0: Excuse I, me, sir. Have you? Yeah. There's so many things wrong here. Like, you're telling me I don't even jungle? You don't even play League of Legends, Mark? Ivern is a jungler because you don't have to kill the actual animals. It's fine, okay? You still have to path around it. It's a different pathing mechanic, too. Ivern creates opportunities for your team. My problem with trying to shoehorn lots of more supports in is that that would naturally slow the game down and make it more defensive. Yeah, Jungle as a role is balanced around creating ganks, creating opportunities, forcing objectives, and that sort of thing. And I actually think that they did it pretty well with Ivern because of the CC that you bring, being able to have other people dash in on landing your queue, and having Daisy as this forcing mechanism by making brushes to to zone people with vision and then and use the extra help. I, I My eyes are glazed over to you. I'm like, you're, you're trying to sell me on Ivern so you hard. Just, I, just, I just think about playing Ivern. I'm like, no. This man is trying to... St- Fight me my Ivern versus Lulu. <laughs> Lulu <laughs> this... feels cool to play when you're like
1: weaving your autos in well and you're kiting. And I would rather play Lulu than I. What would you rather play? Ivern I feel or Lulu? like we're doing
2: Ivern one actually. of these fights,
0: Mark. Ivern actually?
2: I- Ivern, Ivern Jungle, I think, is way more interesting. I'm actually heavily in the Kobe camp here. Oh my I just God. Wanted, to, you guys... wanted to see uh
0: the, the I was really camp. shocked with this take, Mark. Actually, I think this is the most shocking take. You've I mean in I-, I can
2: get like you just don't want to play supports because you want to be the guy that does damage. But to me, Ivern's actually a fun supportive character. For like a lot of the reasons that Kobe's t- talking yeah. about. Like, I think well, I don't like playing him just like blind, but if I'm playing, like I had a lot of fun playing Ivern with, with Nick Wu who would play Darius. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a juggernaut on your team and you just camp that lane, you throw out, you throw out your root, he jumps them, you put the E on him, it so pops and slows exactly, them. Like that's fun.
1: That to me is exactly why it's not fun because you're not really playing a supportive champion.
2: How is that not supportive? You're you shielding and you're CC. You have people. one shield and
1: then you make brushes and you, you have a little bit of CC. What what is a the support then? I mean, I would love to play Lulu again in the jungle. How is, you how is that? that any different? You're polymorphing. you shielding. You got your E. You don't have a little summon that you make. This is a terrible take, mark. mark. I'm telling you, put Karma in the jungle.
2: I'm dead. No, yeah, that, put Karma in the jungle. So where where I would not want it to go is literally that. I I hate. When the jungle meta is just like uninteractive, like farm and then do so, stuff so later, you guys are going so too like, far with the karma meta thing because I agree. I don't want a but, meta, but that's karma. Karma can't what's karma's gank? You're, you're telling me the whole meta's
1: defined. I'm just saying I want one champion I can play. Yeah, you that, got Ivern. Ivern is so weird. I don't want to play He'll a hard for you. Hard. Ch- huh, yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I don't care what the reasoning is. I don't want to play Ivern. You, I hate Ivern. You
2: okay? Like, so if they're going to add more supports to jungle, like shielding sports, like this guy's talking about, I would.
0: Rather have it be new slap champions. Slap mark on Yumi now. New Here, champions. Don't if you guys don't want Ivern, I'm jungle. not saying
1: delete Ivern. I'm just saying I personally don't like okay. playing Ivern and yeah. I want a supportive thing that yeah. fills that niche because yeah, right okay. now there really isn't one. Yeah, I'm not but, saying everything has to be But make it a meta. new
2: champion. Don't don't just put like, it, to me, putting Karma or Lulu in the jungle is not interesting. Lulu Q, 300% damage
1: to minions. That's the jungle buff to minions. slap on everything. Oh, excuse me, monsters. <laughs> With the Morgana W and all this,
2: the Diana uh, passive, yeah, you know? people would play it, and I would. Hate yeah, it. yeah. It'd be great. I'm calling it'd be this seraphine. one over. Yeah. Next. Mark is lost. All right. Twitter question. This one comes from Snow Canada. Ah, man after my own heart. Who is the weakest champion in the game right now? It's Akshan. I've had this debate, and I think it's Sona. Interesting, Uh, because you could just pick Seraphine, but my friends say otherwise. Thoughts? I mean, I am like, for sure, it's not Sona. Sona has been has been good in solo queue. If you're talking about solo queue, maybe if you want to argue pro or something, okay. But even then. I mean, Sona is like consistently one of the highest win rate supports in the game for like six years. I think Sona is definitely not one of the worst champions in the game. Like, if you just want to win, even in Diamond, even in Masters and stuff, this champion has a good win rate. It has a good win rate all the way down to like really low Elo. So to me, I'm, I'm surprised you think Sona is 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 one of the worst. It's like I can understand the take that maybe Seraphine is a better version or something, um, but Sona is really good. I think it has has to be auction right now. It just came out. If that's on my team, I just expect the the loss.
1: Yeah, I just hopped on low litics quick, and obviously auction's the worst. But then outside of him, a lot of the stuff is like high skill cap champions that aren't actually that terrible. Jungle guided. Karma is the worst. Yeah, yeah oh true. well, I'm not playing that either. <laughs> but you know, it's like okay, Rise, Gwen, Lucian, Akali, like
0: all that's those... why you can't go by a win rates. All know, of those that's... champions are good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like to to Zale's point, like you know what I have been missing for so long for actually like 10 years is a muumu. He's A he... Moo you can play in Low basic levels, yeah. But then you get a But you have no you have no extra speed or mobility and it just you just waddle around to your camps and slow <laughs> slowly do your own camps and yep. then you hope you don't get counter jungled and ganked and set up on because you have no escapes, you have no nothing. You can hit a big Wombo for a team fight, but it's it. People can play around it. You can get cleanses. You can yeah. It's yeah. He's he's not in a great state right now. Counter jungling has always been the right biggest issue
2: for me on him for so long. Is hmm? counter jungling has always been the biggest yeah. issue for me on him. It's like you're, o- you're Olaf so or, Lee or whoever shows up, and it's like all yeah, right, I guess I'll yeah, just you die. It. Okay. I'll just <laughs> the best that
0: junglers up. always have some sort of flexibility or something that's unpredictable about them, so that yeah. they can alter in reaction for these setups, and you can adjust. But Amumu has very few of those. Well, And like just individually,
2: he can't do anything. So is he your your take on the worst champion then? Yeah. Because
0: the the for sure worst champion is Uction. Yeah. (laughs) Right now, I will say. he. Yeah, he just got released. He's probably, I mean, I assume that. And people have to learn him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But uh, I've. No, I'm with you kind of there. Amumu just feels sad to play. Good at
2: low elo though. Because no one's going to invade you. Yeah. But even like other low
1: elo champs you can like find a spot like Malphite is like the low elo bronze Odia champion or like Garen and some of mm-hmm. this
0: stuff and like even those have seen play. Even for lower elo, Amumu has been at way better places throughout yep. history. So, e- even in the course of his life because that champion structure has always been skewed for low elo, it has he has seen better times. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree. All right, we got this one from Derek Loves T. My
2: two questions are if you're playing Tom Kench in mid and top, what key items should be built? And is Jungle
0: Tom Kench good at all? Jungle Tom Kench is not good at all. I can answer that one. I played it a total, grand total, one time. You got no more AoE because you can't be eating stuff and spitting them out all the time since your ult got moved and the cooldown on your W is long AF. You you basically are you can focus on the single target ones and then try and gank, but yeah, he's, he's not good jungle. You got yeah.
1: And uh, top and mid basically do the same thing in terms of build path. Uh, you basically try to counter build your lane opponent. You build your mythic item. Then, you know, you get your boots probably for whatever your lane opponent is, especially if it's a jungle of the same damage type. Mm-hmm. You might build anathemas at some point to latch onto the biggest threat, especially if it's a single damage type. But otherwise, you're just largely building tank. Um, and I don't think there's too much variety in the, in the situation other than like What's the most damage that they're like? What's the team's damage profile? I'm playing against. Build accordingly.
2: I would say for solo queue, one thing I so for starters for the mythic, I pretty much always think you want to go Iceborne. Yeah, uh, I frost think I, frostfire. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Tomato, I just forget it. Um, that that potato. I think is really good. Uh, I would say the the flexibility that you have as far as like pure tank i think it's the most common by far i actually think titanic is pretty nasty on, on tom kench Titanic's second item is like actually really good if if you're winning maybe it's not the smartest thing to do in competitive and you should just build full tank um but as far as win rates go it's super high as far as my personal experience it's really really strong and if people try to ignore you like you will mess them up with titanic plus uh plus frostfire i
1: assume that also helps wave clear issues yep. that he kind of has in in, in pro or just in, in general, excuse me. Like, it's not like he's bad, but you have to like tunnel in onto the back line to like deal damage to them usually. And then it's a little slow, and that probably helps
0: it a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's, same, it's the same thing for jungle. He has no AOE, so it's uh give, gives you a little bit. Yeah. Uh, generally, people will try and ignore you too as you're playing Tom Kench, and he's mm-hmm. insanely hard to kill. So you can play off of that. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, that'll wrap it up for us for now.
2: Thanks again, Honda, for making this episode possible. And remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button so you do not miss an episode of The Dive, YouTube.com/slash LCS. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm. Send us your questions on Twitter using the hashtag TheDiveLOL. And if you have any takes that you want to send us on Anchor, we might react to those on The Dive. And the LCS regular season concludes this weekend. Friday is actually insanely good. You don't want to miss Friday. Uh, TSM versus 100 Thieves kicking it off. And I believe it's EG versus C9 next. And then the... Golden Guardians. For the playoff uh, seed actually really matters a lot. So those first three are absolutely sick games. I'm excited for it. 3 p.m. PST Friday. See you there.